Welcome to Backyard Broadway. I'm Andrew. I'm Abby. And we are without Kat this evening. She is not feeling super great, so she decided to stay home. So I picked a topic for tonight that was perfect for that, because she's never seen the show. That's very true. But before we get into that, because I addressed it on our Facebook page, yes, Broadway has shut down because of the coronavirus that is going around. Um, Lots of theaters across the nation are doing it. We are going to be here to give you your Broadway fix. We're going to record some episodes about actors and actresses, specific shows, Uh things like that. Um, That's a very white screen. It is very white screen. (laughs) We'll get to it. Sorry. Animations on the PowerPoint. Oh, dear God. (laughs) So, but if if you had tickets to see a Broadway show, to see a touring show, to see any theater that's getting canceled, consider donating that money to the theater. Because a lot of these people are losing their livelihood because they're not going to be able to work. Like on Broadway, it is thousands of people. Tell me about it. If you think about how many people work on a single show. I know. (coughs) So just consider that when you're thinking, okay, I could, you know, I'm going to get a refund. I'll just save my money and buy a ticket to a different show. Yeah. Or possibly call the theater and be like, hey, are you all doing any sort of donations for the people that are out of jobs currently. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Help us! Help all the actors. So without... Did I turn my clicker on? You have a clicker? I have a clicker. Oh, dear. (laughs) Did you just shoot that at my boob? I sure did. What's wrong with you? I don't know. (laughs) So tonight, we picked a show to talk about. We, You did. I did. (laughs) I did. See, we picked. You picked. Again, this is the perfect one. I disagree. Yes, this was the perfect one to do because Kat has never seen this show. Yeah. So she would have just been sitting here distracted on her phone anyways. But Abby and I have seen it. I've seen it <laughs> numerous times. Have I seen it? I saw it the one time. Did I, I've seen it twice, haven't I? Did you see it twice? I think so. Didn't Clark still do it? Yeah. I think I saw it there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you yeah, did. Yeah, I did. I didn't go see it because I was in a show. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I've seen it numerous times, twice on Broadway, twice on tour. I was in a production of it. I started directing a production of it and then left in the middle for personal reasons, things like that. We are talking about the Drowsy Chaperone. Dun, dun, dun! Dun, dun, dun! The Drowsy Chaperone with a book by Don McKellar ba, and Bob Martin. Ba. 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 Banana. Book by Don McKellar and Bob Martin. Music and lyrics by Lisa Lambert and Greg Morrison. So, have we ever talked about, like, the origin of the Drowsy Chaperone? We've talked about how it mimics your own life, and that's why you love it so much. Well, yeah, we'll get there, too. Okay. But the Drowsy Chaperone started as a spoof in at a stag party for Bob Martin, who yeah. played Man in Chair and Wait, did the Do you want to explain book? to some of our viewers what a stag party is? <laughs> it's a bachelor party. It's a bachelor party, it's guys. A ba- they're from Canada. Yeah. They're from Canada. It's a stag party and a hen party. Yes, yeah, so um, Don McKellar, Lisa because Lambert. Because it would be inappropriate to call the guys a cock party. It's true. <laughs> so Don McKellar, Lisa Lambert, and Greg Morrison all got together with a couple of friends and created a spoof of old musicals for Bob Martin's stag party. And yeah. he was marry- actually marrying a woman named Janet Vandergraaf. <laughs> <laughs> so Robert Martin and Janet Vandergraaf got married in real life, guys. Um, so in this incarnation, there was no man in chair. Yeah. The musical styles were like 20s to 40s. Right, right. And the jokes were a lot more risque. Of course they were. I want to see a copy of that script. I do too, because we need to do it. <laughs> this is true. We need to do it so bad. 
So then they decided they were going to reshape it and work on it for the Toronto Film Festival. It's film? like a weird, Fringe like... festival. It's like the or almost like the origin story of Frankenstein, but not horror and more comedy and not a stag party. Yeah. But it, it's similar. It's similar. Ish. It's similar. So not the Toronto Film Festival, the Toronto Fringe Festival. Um, Bob Martin came in as a co-writer and he ended up creating the man in chair to serve as a narrator and a commentator for the entire show. Which works so uh, well. Which, if you don't know the show, don't worry. We're going to get to the cast album and we're going to tell you all about the show. Yes, we are. So it premiered at the Toronto Fil- Fringe Festival. I keep saying film. Fringe Festival in 98. And there were three subsequent tor- Toronto revivals, which is what Wikipedia called them. Revivals. And two in 99 Ooh. and another one in 2001. Okay. And then it finally made it stateside in 2005 and premiered in L.A. And then it found which, its home. I find that very interesting that it took till 2005 for it to make it stateside. Because it, because it gives, and the fact that it came from the 90s, because it has this feel of being around a lot longer. Oh, yeah. Because of the shows that it makes fun of. Yeah. And I'm sure, you, you know, You would think they, it'd been around for a really long yeah, time. Yeah, I'm sure as it, like, had each of these performances, each of these productions... They improved it a little bit more. Yeah, each time. absolutely. Um, so once it premiered in LA, it oh, moved Broadway. to Broadway. It found its home at the Marquee Theater, currently home to Tina, the Tina Turner musical, formerly the home of Tootsie. Tootsie, Tootsie. Um, if you all hear the rain, rain behind us, it just reiterates that we are backyard Broadway. We are recording outside. We're, almost we take, filming. We take this very seriously. Yes, we do. My toes hate you all. It's not even that cold. I'm wearing just a t-shirt, guys. I'm in my coat and boots. And I'm not freezing. I'm cold. So it had opening night on May 1st of 2006, and then closed December 30th of 2007. So about a year and a half run. Yeah, which is it? Which is a awful. solid run. That's 32, awful. what is that, 32 previews and 674 performances. Yeah, so that's not too bad. So, and then it had a very healthy life on the road, and is now in community theaters and regional theaters everywhere. And schools. And schools. Um, I was going to say that there's a production coming up, but I don't know how all that's going to go with Very true. all of this. A lot corona. of things are up in the air right now. Yeah. So if it still happens, Western Kentucky University down in Bowling Green is doing it the last weekend in March. So if you're in the area, go support them. And it's a really funny show. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about the opening night cast. Okay. So Man in Chair was played by Bob Martin. Of course. Did his own show. Of course. And Janet Vandergraaf... legit is your life. It is. <laughs> Janet Vandergraaf was played by the one and only Sutton Foster. My Sutton. I love her. I've seen her in numerous things on Broadway. I know. I did not get to see her in this. I know. First time I saw this on Broadway, it was right after she left. I know. So mad. I know. Uh, Mrs. Tottendale was played by the late, great Georgia Engel. Oh. I know. Underling was played by Edward Hibbert. Or <laughs> part, Eddie Hibbert. That part's so funny. I know. If you Google Edward Hibbert and you see his face, you will know him immediately from all sorts of different stuff. Oh, He's yeah. been guest stars on TVs oh, yeah, yeah, and everything. Yeah. There's a picture for you later so that you can put it in your mind. <laughs> Good. The Chaperone was played by the one and only Beth Level, who is my current uh, Broadway obsession. I do love her. I really hope that I have the money and that all this theater shutdown and stuff doesn't change the trajectory of Devil Wars Prada. Because I would still like to go see it. I know you don't care. If only y'all could see my face. <laughs> I really don't give two flying fucks <sighs> about it. So Robert Martin was played by Troy Britton. I have not heard that name since. Well, that's fair. 
Have not heard that name since, so yeah. I don't know. Uh, when I Googled him, he had another name, like okay. another last name. Oh, okay. So, so maybe he's name? going, yeah, maybe he's he going by. It? Yeah. It's a possibility. The gangsters were played by real-life brothers Jason and Garth Kravitz. That's amazing. I know. I know. I wish that happened more often. Yes, and when we get to the cast album, we're going to talk about the casting choices that can be made with the those roles. There are so many good choices, like, yes. interesting choices to be made. Yes. So George, who I played, yes. Uh, was played by Eddie, and I want to say it's Corbick, because I don't want to say it's Eddie Corbich. <laughs> it is spelled K-O-R-B-I-C-H. I was on his Wikipedia page earlier and did not look at the pronunciation of his last name. I want to say it's Corbick. I'm not sure. He also played, if I'm not mistaken, um, the part I played in Assassins. Oh, okay. Sam Bick. Yeah. Um, so we, we've got those two things in common, Eddie, like you and me. Uh, Aldolfo. 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 Was played by Danny Burstein, who currently is playing the ringmaster character in Moulin Rouge. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Feltzig, help me with this last name. Lenny, Lenny Wolpe. W O L P E. He's played Wolpe? the. Um, I know he had a TV series way back in the day. What? He played the wizard for a while on Broadway and on tour. The poster I have from the tour hanging up in my loft. Yeah. Has his signature. He was the wizard when I saw it. Kitty was played by Jennifer Smith. I shit you not. Okay. I had no clue that she was an older actress. Oh. Like, because she was still in it both times I saw it on Broadway. Okay. No clue that she was probably in her late 30s, early 40s. Oh, really? During that show. Okay. Yeah, because her most recent headshot, she's completely gray. Oh. Um, well, and it's not, like, dyed gray. Oh, uh, okay. I was going to say, nowadays, you never yeah. you never know. So Jennifer Smith, I don't know if I said that, Jennifer Smith. And then Trix, the aviatrix, what we now call a lesbian, was played by, <laughs> <laughs> was played by Keisha Lewis Evans. So, haven't heard that name either. No. So, one of those things where it's yeah. like one-hit wonders. Yeah. There was also an ensemble. Um, good God, that dress. Good God, that dress. Oh, my God. Is that from, like, a Tony Award? No, it's the Chrysler Building. <laughs> yes, that's when she won. That's a terrible dress. <laughs> I mean, it probably was appropriate for the time, but yeah. it's an ugly it dress. It looks like the Chrysler Building. It like does. the dress that Roger Debris wears in the producer's movie. Yeah. Except for the boobs area looks really bad. Yeah. Like well, her arms are also up, no, so it looks no. like she's, like, completely... No, but I'm saying, like, the, the design on the dress itself, it's really bad. It's like something you'd see in an Austin Powers movie. This is true. So we are looking at a picture of one Miss Beth Lovell. Um, I do during, love her bad choice in dress. During her Tony Award winning It also speech. all gathers right by her vajibjam. Yes, it does. It's weird. So we're talking about the award season for um, Drowsy Chaperone in 2006. They, six. They were nominated for 13 Tony Awards and won five. Which and they is great. were nominated for 14 Drama Desk Awards and won eight. Very nice. I know nobody really cares about the Drama Desk, so I didn't put those right. in here. But they were nominated Tony Award wise for Best Musical, Best Book of Musical, Best Original Score, in all four Best Performance categories Leading Actor for Bob Martin, Leading Actress for Sutton Foster, Featured mm. Actor for Danny Burstein, and Featured Actress for Beth Level. Best Direction and Best Choreography for Casey Nicola, who is currently represented on Broadway with Mean Girls. Um, best Orchestrations, Best Scenic Design, Best Costume Design, and Best Lighting Design. Okay, and I agree with all of the ones they won. Which ones did they win? So they won Best Book of a Musical, which is very true. Yes. 
The music in it is just classic, which we'll get to yeah. that later. Uh, best original score, again, we'll talk about the music later. Featured actress Beth Level won the Tony, which is amazing. We love her. Best scenic design. If anyone's ever seen it, you guys will know why it won best scenic design. And we will we'll talk about it a little bit when we go through the run through what yeah. happens with this set. And then best costume design. Yeah. I mean I don't I don't know how I feel about the best costume design. There are parts that I can see why it would get best costume um, design. I'm thinking show off. Yeah, like that All one. All those and then, changes. Well was the intermission song in this or no? In this? Yeah. Production, yeah. Okay. That too. So they didn't they, didn't they have like weird hats or something? Yeah. Yeah. So like those two things, that's what I'm thinking of. So I'm trying to see who it lost Best Musical to, but my phone's extra special at Abby's house. Look up Tony Awards 2006 winner. 2006? Yeah. So while she looks that up, um, we will brief, I'll briefly talk about the cast album before we get into the actual rundown of the show. Um, it was released on one CD, and if you had the CD... Okay, what am I... What category am I looking for? Best Musical. I just want to see who it lost to at Best Musical. Jersey Boys. Ah, that's right. Jersey Boys. That's fair. Yeah, that's, that's fair. fair. Um, so if you have the CD of The Drowsy Chaperone, you know that there are intermittent um, tracks on there that are the man in chair speaking. Yes. And giving some of his dialogue, which I think is fabulous. Yes. I'm glad they put those on there. Oh, yeah. Because you really get the story. Because without them, you don't really know what the story is. But nope. with those, you can really gauge what's going on. Yeah. So... The show itself starts in the dark. Yeah, it does. And the man in chair is like, I hate theaters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, what's going on? Because yeah. it's completely dark. And so he talks for a couple of minutes and then makes a comment about when the lights come up and the lights come up. Yep. Shockingly, we're in the man in chair's apartment. Yes. He doesn't have an actual name. He is the man in chair. Yes. Um, and it's usually done on a proscenium stage. A wide stage, chair and record player Usually, off to one side. You, yeah. And then there's a kitchen island, a refrigerator up center, windows, and a, a Murphy bed. And a door. And a door. So kind of picture that in your mind it's if you can. It's very much like a studio apartment. Yes. It's very plain. It's very... Um, it's very bland. And the Murphy bed, if they utilize it, in the if a production utilizes the Murphy bed, it's down at the beginning. Yes. And, and he gets up during his opening monologue to make tea, and he puts the bed up and things like yeah. that. Um, so then he talks about overtures and them being overrated and or underappreciated. I don't remember. Some, yeah, some, One of those. Yeah. And then the overture for The Drowsy Chaperone, which is his favorite record. Yes. Although he was having... Um, he was wanting a, a young Ronnie Howard. Yeah. He had a thing for a young Ronnie Howard, yes, he so did. he thought about listening to The Music Man, but instead went with his favorite show, The Drowsy Chaperone. Yes. A, let me read you what it says on the back of the album cover. Yes. Mix-ups, mayhems, and a gay wedding. Of course, the phrase gay wedding has different meaning today, but back then, it just meant happy, and that's what this is. Fun. It just means fun. Do you see <laughs> the obsession that is this show for Andrew? Yes. Um, so the overture plays, and it's a really good overture. It is really, it's really a good. Really it's not too long. It's just no. the right amount of time, like of time. And he's talking throughout it, so it doesn't feel as long. No, and it really it's it's the perfect almost background noise. Yeah, 
for the sh- to set up the show. Because yeah. at one point he sits back in his chair and he has you close your eyes and just listen and imagine the night on Broadway when this show Which, opened. You know, only what like maybe two percent of people actually did. Yeah, yeah. AKA Andrew sitting next to me when we saw it. <laughs> Leave me alone. Um, so then his tea kettle goes off. He yes. goes and makes his tea. And then the music changes in the overture. He's like, oh, it's something new. Yes. It could be, you know, something frolicky, something with pirates. There are no pirates. (laughs) Which made me sad. Slightly obsessed, guys. (laughs) Which made me sad. I like pirates. Slightly obsessed. And so he does a little dance as he's talking about a little more. And then the swell happens where it's the end of the overture. Yes. And as this happens, the lighting changes slightly. And this is why it gets best scenic design, guys. Yes. He sits back and he's like, and the show's getting ready to start. Oh, I can't wait. And then out come all the maids. Yes. And Underling and Tottendale. And what they are doing during this opening little scene slash number is they're converting his apartment into Mrs. Tottendale's house. The show is coming alive in his now, apartment. I can't remember. I know the productions we've seen, they come out through the refrigerator. Not at the beginning. Now, the I thought they did it throughout. Uh, they all come in from, the, from the front door or from a hallway. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, they do, and like, they after do. that, they yeah. use the refrigerator. They use the island usually gets moved out from in front of the refrigerator. Yeah. And then the refrigerator, which he opens while he's making tea, and you see inside the refrigerator, there's, and there's milk, and there's cream, and there's, there's stuff in there, Stuff guys. in there. And then once they start the song Fancy Dress, the first song in the show. Oh my God. It's all about why Mrs. Tottendale, who is super dense. So dense, you all. It's not even funny. Is wearing her- Actually, it is really, yes. really funny. Why is she wearing her fancy dress? So Fancy Dress is all about why Mrs. Tottendale is wearing her most fanciest dress. Yes. And it's like, what time period is that dress? I'm- Because it's the big hips, it's the big- It's 1800s, skirt. for sure. 1800s. And her servant, her butler, Underling, is telling her that it's because there's going to be a wedding, that, that the guests are going to arrive soon. And can we just talk about her voice? <laughs> yes. Because we've only seen one other production on... Well, because there's a lot of these voices in this show that are character voices. Yes. But hers sounds yes. a lot like a certain someone. Which certain someone? Which one do you impersonate a lot? Oh, Carol Channing? Yes. Underling, why am I wearing my fancy dress? Yes. Yeah, she's got like that like she hard lisp like, in her cheeks. She sounds like her. Yeah. Um, and then he says, wedding guests are here. Wedding guests are at the door. They're waiting to appear. And we hear a doorbell. And then the servants Hey-ho. open the refrigerator. And they come in the refrigerator yeah. from the refrigerator like it's the front door. And so we are introduced to every major player during this number. Yep, you meet everybody. Everybody. And they've got like four... Bar, four lines of music that is just all about who they are yep. and why they are at this wedding. Yep. You even meet Trix the Aviatrix, and she lets you know that you won't see him again until the wedding. Yep. Um, Which is true. You won't see her again until the wedding. And after the end of this number, she is not on stage for the rest of the show. Until the end. Until the end. Once the song ends, um, everybody is standing around. They're talking about the wedding and that the chaperone is there to keep Janet away from Robert and because she is the chaperone. Because she is the chaperone. To and she date wants to know, this show. Yes, she wants to know where the bar is. It's prohibition, madam. Good thing I brought my own. Um, love that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. So they go off in their own little worlds. And yes. then we're taken to Robert's room. Yes. And the man in chair tells us a little bit about the actor playing Robert. Yes. 
um, which I can't remember who he said. Who he says. Um, but he tells a little backstory about the actor playing Robert. Again, this is a show within a show. The Drowsy Chaperone show does not actually exist. Everything is made up. Yep. So, tells us a little about, bit about the actor that he did toothpaste commercials. Yeah, or something. Yeah. Um, and where the fifth ingredient down was cocaine. It's true, right after sugar. Um, and then talks about seeing him on the news recently celebrating his 100th birthday where he had that wide-eyed expression of somebody who didn't know where they were or what they were doing. <clears throat> but then they go into... I see that a lot at work. Yeah. <laughs> they go into the number Cold Feats. Cold which Feats. Is, which is Robert, you know, and talking himself up. Well, George comes in halfway Yeah, through. that's true. So it's Robert talking himself up like, I have no reason to be nervous about this. I'm marrying Janet Vandergraaff. She's the best woman ever. Yeah. And then... George comes in um, because the minister is canceling on him, and he says a few choice words to the minister, which I thought was the funniest thing, and made sure I emphasized those when I played the role. It was really funny. And hangs up the phone on him, and then they go into the number again, and it culminates with a tap. Which you love. Tap dance, which I love, love. And me and the guy, Aaron, who played Robert opposite me, um, we had a lot of fun with that tap number. Which, if you've seen it on Broadway, um, they get into it so fast that they actually blow fog out from under them. Yeah. <laughs> to make it look like they are actually starting a fire. So that number goes, and there's lots of scenes in between all these. Yeah, very much. You know, there's one where Feltzig is like, what am I going to do? Because Feltzig is the producer of the show that Janet is leaving. Janet's a showgirl. Yeah. That she is leaving. Because she's getting married. Because she's getting married, and she's his, his number one star, so she doesn't want him to leave. Kitty is his girlfriend. I'm the, sorry. You might want to re-say that. You said she doesn't want him to leave. He doesn't want her to leave. There you go. Um, Kitty is Feltzig's girlfriend. Um, well, not really. What do you mean not really? I mean, that's not the impression I got when I saw it. Well, I mean, it's like his... Thing of the week. Yeah, it's, it's they're not dating. No, it's like his she thing thinks of the it's week. gonna get her a top slot. And yeah, he's just like, well, it's a something to fuck. Like he don't yeah. care. And but then it kind of turns into something more later on. Well, yeah. Um, so there's a whole scene between them and the gangsters, which the gangsters have been sent by their boss, who is a producer in the show. And are they like gangsters? Yes. The indication is that they work for the mob. They're gangsters. Um, but they are portraying chefs. Yes. And so we'll get to their whole number in a minute. It's amazing. (laughs) It's hilarious. Um, So after this little scene, uh, we go to the patio. Yes. Where Janet is relaxing by the pool with a um, barrage of uh, reporters. Yes. They never leave her alone. They never leave her alone. They never leave me. And they're like, why are you leaving the stage? You don't want to do this. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, I don't. That's another song. Um, Yes. We're not there yet. (laughs) And they're like, well, tell us why. Why? And she goes, no, that comes down here. Yeah. Um, I'm talking about that. And <laughs> so they're like, tell us why. And she goes into her number, I don't want to show off. Um, the song is just called Show Off. But yeah. it's I don't want to show off no more. All that good I stuff. And she show goes, off no more. she's got costume changes. I mean, good God, the stuff this woman goes through. Some gymnastics. Song. There's some. There's like, a reason I can't play this part. <laughs> she has the splits. Um, Ow. And. There is some, um, she's put in the refrigerator, she comes back in a different place on stage. We know I can do quick changes. That's not the thing that scares yeah. me. It's the fucking gymnastics and yes. splits. I'm not that flexible, y'all. Um, and Hashtag she, side note. 
She she does, you know, playing some um, glasses and things like that. I would break them. And it's just a fun number. It is a lot of fun. But you can tell, like, the person that plays that part has to have the energy for it. Yes. Because if you don't watch your breathing, you don't watch what you're doing, you will be exhausted Egg- and breathy exhausted. at the end of that number. Yeah. So at the end of the number, they are like, oh, I'm, you know, <clears throat> she's leaving the stage for good. You know, she's getting married. And Feltz is like, nope, she's not done till she's done. And Kitty's like, yeah, I'm surprised she didn't do an encore. Yeah, well, I'm surprised hello. she didn't do an encore. We're spoofing 20s musicals, so what happens? I don't want to encore no more. <laughs> and then there's a line, if you listen to the cast album, or disappear through the floor no more, it's because they had an elevator stage on Broadway. That line has been changed for all subsequent productions. Yes. Because usually there's not an elevator stage. Yeah. To use. So after that, we go to Janet's room. Yes. And again, another little scene in between. We go to Janet's room, and we get to see the first real interaction between Janet and the chaperone. Yes. And the chap- isn't the chaperone like a family friend or something like that? Something like that. I think she's literally just a chaperone, though. Like she's hired like to just be hired to come. Oh, and, okay. Um, and she's the drowsy chaperone because... She's the drowsy because she drinks. She drinks a lot, you guys. She drinks a lot. A lot, a lot. Um, and in this number, we see... <laughs> I love this song. Not only do the actors in the show have to play Janet, the chaperone, Robert, they have to also embody the alternate personalities that are the actors portraying yes. Janet and uh, chaperone and yeah. all of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the man in chair gives a little speech about the chaperone, the actress playing the chaperone, and how she's a drunk and how she, you know, felt like she needed to always be downstage and that everybody should be upstage of her and never, you know, noticed on... And you see this a lot through this number with her throwing her arm or her sleeve in front of Janet or pushing her behind a screen. Yes. Things like that. The song is As We Stumble Along. As We Stumble Along. And Beth Lovell, who played it on Broadway, we've already said, just did a concert at 54 Below. And they recorded it, and it's on their Facebook. Oh, is it? And she sings this song, and as she gets to the end... <clears throat> and she's doing that last verse. She goes over to a box on the piano and pulls out her Tony. <laughs> yes! And I'm like, yes, Can we yes. talk about, like, our favorite line in this song? Which one? Keep your eyeball on, on the, the highball, highball in your hand. As she's holding a highball. Are you sure it's hand. not seven overrated wonders, seven underwhelming seas, six excruciating continents, Antarctica? Oh, please. I do like that line. But I like the eyeball on the yes. eyeball line. Just because she has it in her hand and she's just looking at it like, oh, I want to drink this so bad right yes. now. And the fun part of this number is that at the end of it, she if you out. have a live orchestra, your chaperone can play with it so, so, so much. Yep. Like, I know both times I saw it on Broadway, the actresses, because I think I saw a standby at one of them, yeah. held the last note for different amounts of time. Yeah. Or they changed the order of stumble, plumble, crumble, da da da. Yeah. And kept going and going and going and going. What I like about this song too is you really get a sense of the chaperone's view on the matter of life. Not really because she's just going on about random shit. Of life and love and how it's all pointless and you just need to be drunk the whole time. Yes. So <laughs> then Janet leaves because she needs to go think. 
Because <laughs> needs... apparently the chaperone gave her a lot to think about. Yes. Um, oh, I didn't mention at the end of Cold Feet's, George sends Robert off to think, um, blindfolded wearing roller skates. Which is great. Which will come in in, in just a moment. Yeah. Um, so after Janet leaves the room, the chaperone is left alone on the bed. Didn't she pass out? Depends on the actress. I feel like she, like, passes out. Depends like, on the... If they hold it for a really long time, yes, they just fall in the yeah. bed. Um, no, they don't, because they do a huge bow at the end, when the applause starts, and then they crash on the couch. Yeah. Or the bed. Yeah. Because they utilize the Murphy bed as they go inside each of the rooms. Yeah. Um, in comes Aldolfo. Aldolfo. Aldolfo, who is a Latin Lothario, if or every, Italian, you ev- can't really tell. You can't. Every bit, a bit part, if I've ever seen one. A bit part or a character part? Both. It's not really a bit part because he's got a lot to do. Well, that's true. Fine, we'll go with character. The, it's just the definition. Uh, this whole show is full of just those definition of of characters, characters you would have seen in the twenties, yes. like in movies and in. Because he's so like exaggerated. I am Adolfo. With his movements and the accent and the yes. way he speaks, he's so exaggerated, which is so perfect. So he has been sent... Doesn't he have a cape? Yes. He has been sent by Feltzig to Janet's room to seduce her and make love to the bride. Well, he comes across the chaperone. And And when he says he's there to make love to the bride, she becomes the bride. Yes. And then she keeps calling him Adolface and Al and different names that are not his name. He's like, no, my name is Adolfo. I will tell you so you can remember it. And he goes into, I am Adolfo. Yes. Which is a song all about his name. Yes, And different ways to say it, and you can say it high, you can say it low. <laughs> and how to spell it, and all this fun stuff. And, and the entire time he thinks the chaperone is Janet. Yes. And so at the end of the number, they are both on the bed in a compromising position. They're about to fuck. And what's his name? The man in chair takes the needle off the record to tell you a story. And while he's telling the story, he goes up and he lifts the bed up with them still on it and puts the bed away. Yes, he does. Because they need the stage cleared for the next number. Yes. Which takes place in a garden with, like, little um, pedestals and things like that. Are there statues? Statues, pedestals yeah. with flowers on yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that, stuff all like that. that fun stuff. You so then in a he, Grecian garden. Yes. He goes back and he starts the record and we go into accident waiting to happen, which is Janet and Robert. Yes. Remember, Robert is blindfolded on roller skates. Yes. Janet is not supposed to see Robert. Robert's not supposed to, be supposed to see Janet. So when he thinks that he might recognize her voice, she changes it to a very bad French accent. Horrible. And her name is Mimi. 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 And so the song is all about... You can, you can interpret it multiple ways. Yes. It's really about their relationship it being really an is, accident yeah. waiting to happen, but it's also about how Robert is clumsy and... Yeah. Things like that. And at the end of it, he kisses Mimi. And he thinks he's just ruined the whole wedding because he's kissed a French girl who's very beautiful um, named Mimi. Who's Janet. Who's Janet. So then everybody comes back in the, I guess, the grand foyer of the house. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. whatever, Yeah. Everybody is in this next number. And so Robert comes in and, or Janet comes running in. The wedding is off. The wedding is on. Robert kissed a very pretty French girl named Mimi. And then the wedding is back on because whatever. And then the Adolfo comes in. The, the wedding, wedding is off. off. I have made love to the bride. That's not the bride, you idiot. That's the chaperone. What? what? 
And you get that what like five times throughout the show. It's fantastic. <laughs> and it changes every single time. It does. It's longer, it's shorter, it's lower, it's higher. It's what? wonderful. What? <laughs> so this leads into the show is is ending because Janet's not even gonna go into show business, even if the wedding's off. She's not gonna stay in show business. And so the gangsters are like, no, 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 this is this has to happen. And so they go into this whole number called Toledo's Surprise. Toledo's Surprise. And they're they're basically telling us how to make a Toledo Surprise. You chop the nuts, you pound the dough, you bake it up nice and slow. And Toledo's Surprise. It's really just a big dance number to it really is. quote unquote end act one. And I love it because Kitty's in it. Kitty! Kitty's in it. Kitty gets her moment. Kitty! Um, we didn't even talk about her magic act or her mind reading act. Oh my god, it's the funniest thing there. ever. She like picks someone random from the audience. No, she picks Feltzig. Oh, first. And she. But like when we saw she went out in the audience. Well, yeah, that's because that was a stupid production. Fair. So <laughs> she goes up to Feltzig and she's like, she says that she can read, guess. Read his, his mind. Well, and, and it's his grocery list. Yeah, she's like, milk? Butter. I see. I see. Bread. I see. I see milk. And I see. I see what else? I see. I see butter. And I see. I see some eggs. And I. And I. And I see. What else do I. What is that? Bread? You idiot. That's my grocery list. Whatever. So they're doing you, the summer. Can you tell that I want to play Kitty yes. really bad? It is just an excuse to have a big dance number to quote unquote end act one. Because the show is normally presented. Without an intermission. Yes. 90 minutes, 95 minutes without an intermission. And the fun part about this number is that towards the end of it, the record starts to skip. Yeah. I.e. Toledo Sep. Toledo Sep. That's the tasty Toledo. That's the tasty Toledo. The actors have to do this, and they have to go back to the same motion that they were doing. They have to go back to the same notes they were singing seven times. I was in it, remember? Seven times yep. you have to do it before he finally, because he's be dancing honest, with you them. you knew how many times just from listening. Well, yeah. You knew before you did the show. The man in chair is dancing with them, so he's across the stage, and so that's why it goes seven times, is because he's running back to get to the record, yep. and he kicks the record player to finally get it to fix, Finish, and yep. they end the number. Yep. It's and really awesome. It's the end of Act 1, and he's got to change the record. Yes. So he wants us to listen to the entree act, of Act Two, while he goes to the bathroom. Yes. Because he's had coffee and bourbon, and he needs to go potty. <laughs> so he puts on a record, puts on the needle, and then runs off stage. It's the only time he is off stage for the entire show. It's true. And what plays? Not the on track. Nope. What plays, Abigail? Message from a Nightingale. Message from a Nightingale, which is Kitty, the Gangsters, Aldolfo, and the Chaperone. The actors, the fake actors playing them yeah. in another show. Yes. It's the opening number of another show that was written by the imaginary people that wrote The Drowsy Chaperone. Yes. And so we get to hear, probably I'd say about a minute and a half Can of that before it comes Can we talk about how this on. number could be super offensive? It is so offensive. It's super offensive nowadays. It's so nowadays. offensive. Because they're all white actors playing Asians. Yes. It's so offensive. Like, and costuming and yes. their movements and what they do. It's It can be construed as very, very offensive. Like, when we did it, we had the, like, wooden samples yeah. and everything. Yeah. It was... And we did it with an intermission, so this played after intermission. Yeah. Which typically um, is what happens. Yes. Now, a lot of people do it with the intermission. They end with Toledo Surprise and the wedding being officially called off and everything. Yeah. And... Then he does go to the bathroom. He does make that line. 
and how he hates intermissions because it breaks up the show and all that stuff. But when he comes back at the top of Act 2, when there is an intermission put in, he said, well, now I'm going to play you the entract, and he goes to make tea. Yeah. Or coffee or whatever while this is going on. And Message from Nightingale plays, and it's super offensive. It's funny as hell, though. And I will say, it really does lose something when you do put in the intermission. It does. It flows better without, because yeah. that's how it was written. It, the, it's a weird break. So once we get back into the show itself, mm-hmm. um, we're back in, we're on the bride's patio. Yes. And it's suddenly nighttime, even though it's the middle of the afternoon. And he makes a comment about the yes. blue lighting and all that. And she sings the bride's lament. Yes. With monkeys. Which I like that moment of like, it's nighttime, but it's really the afternoon and like the weird lighting. Yeah. Because that's like a tech fail that could happen in yeah. an actual show. So I really like that touch. Yeah. So, she's singing about how, should she get married? Should she, you know, stay on the stage? And she goes back and forth and back and forth. And the man in chair has a little bit with her. And it's a funny number, but it's creepy at the same time because the monkeys. Yeah, it's weird. The monkeys. It's a little weird. Robert's her monkey on a pedestal. It's really weird. Um, yeah, it's very, very strange. It's, yeah. I, nah, I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah. So, then we get a funny moment between Tottendale and Underling. Yeah. With the cart. And... Because it's prohibition, there's not supposed to be alcohol, so Tottendale's like, we will serve vodka, but we'll call it water. Oh, I'm very parched. Can I have a big glass of water? And so he hands her vodka. Yes. And so it's a spit-take scene that the manager chair plays over and over and over for you because you don't see them very much anymore. And it's a very funny moment. Very, very funny. And it leads into their song, Love is Always Lovely in the End. Yes. Do you hear... The innuendo in that title. Yes. <laughs> Nobody thought about that. And there's a whole bit about that from the man in chair, too. Um, and it's about how Underling is in love with Tottendale and how they should be together. And so they decide to get married. Yes. And so it's a big scene coming up where the wedding is back on because Tottendale and Underling are getting married. Adolfo and the chaperone are getting married. Robert and Janet are going to get married. And I think that's it at that point. Well, yeah, because they finally realize that. Janet is Mimi, and they work all that shit out. Don't they? During Bride's Lament? Yes. Yeah. Um, or right after one of yeah, those. Yeah, around that point. And then Kitty does her mind reading act again, and she's like, Will you marry me to Felsig? And he's like, I said, what? And she's like, of course I will, of course. So now they're getting married. Yes. Well... George, the whole time, has strings on his fingers to remember everything he needs to remember for the wedding, and there's one string left at this point. Mm-hmm. He forgot the minister. Mm-hmm. He forgot the minister, who had canceled on him earlier in the show. And so they have nobody to marry them. Well, then there's this loud, like, crashing noise, because Trix the Aviatrix has crashed, landed at Tomdale's estate. And what did Trix tell you at the end of Fancy Dress? That you won't see her again until the wedding? So what's about to happen? The wedding! The wedding! So they decide that there's a funny bit in here where they're talking and the chaperone is making a very lovely speech about love and everything. But as she says one of the lines, Adolfo drops his cane. Yes. And it covers up the word. And it gets replayed like three or four times. Yeah. Which is another, like, skill for the actors to have to be able to continue doing that as many times as the manager replays it. Yes. And for the actress not to actually say the word. Yes. (laughs) 
she just mouths it, and she's standing in such a position that nobody can see what her mouth is saying. Yeah. Because it's either life or love. Yeah. So, because you hear the l and the v at the end, uh-huh. but you can't tell if it's life or love. Yep. And then they decide that the pilot of a plane is like the captain of a ship, and captains of a ship can marry people. So they all jump on the plane. Yes. Everyone jumps on the plane. Everyone. This, what do like, they call the old? A biplane. Biplane. Everyone, all 13 characters, jump on this plane so that they can all get married. In the sky. Yes. And Trix is singing the song, I Do, I Do, in the Sky. And a plane is actually on stage. And depending on the theater, the plane can be utilized, can be made from things in the apartment, mm-hmm. or it can be an actual prop that you bring in. Which, we've seen it both ways. Yes. And I really like the idea of using the things in the apartment. I think yeah. that was really skillfully done when we saw it. Um, Even I mean, though the rest of it was kind of questionable. Yeah. <laughs> so, they sing I Do, I Do, in the Sky. Yeah. And during the number, the electricity goes out. Yes, it does. And so all the actors are singing sky, and they all have to sky. Yep. And everything goes black, and everybody basically bends over, so that when (laughs) the superintendent comes in... (laughs) He said bend over. The superintendent comes in and is like, what were you listening to? Oh, nothing. It was just a book on tape, or whatever he says. Uh, He gets the electricity back on, and then the entire cast comes back alive and finishes the note that they were on, which is not easy, people. No, not at all. Not at all. And it ends, and then the superintendent looks at the man in chair, and he's like, it was a musical. Oh, I love musical. I've seen Cats 15 times, and my wife wants me to go see Miss Saigon or whatever. They landed a helicopter on the stage. Yeah. And the man in chair looks back at the airplane and looks at him and looks at the airplane and looks at him. And... So the superintendent leaves, and it's a sad moment because the show's over. Yeah. It's a very sad moment for the man in chair because the show's over at this yep. point, which means the album's over. There's no more to listen to. Yes. Um, so he's, like, talking about his sadness, his feeling blue. Mm-hmm. And miraculously, the actors behind him come to life. What? And are now in his world. What? What? They are now part of his world. And they bring him into the drowsy chaperone. And they sing a little reprise of As We Stumble Along. Yep. And on the Broadway, the man in chair, hashtag the Broadway, the man in chair is lifted, ascended into the heavens. Because he died. Because that's, I guess, what they were implying. I don't know what they're thinking behind that. He either is having a psychotic break, he died, or there's some other meaning that I am not getting. Because, I mean, when we did it, when I saw it at Derby, when I saw it at Assumption... Maybe he fell asleep in his chair. I don't know. He just gets on the plane with them, and the show ends. Yeah. But in the Broadway show, he is ascended into the heavens, and that's how it's written in the script for it to do. Yes. So that's the show. It's a show within a show. It's, it's hilarious. hilarious. If you're not familiar... Kitty! If you're not familiar with any musicals or movies or anything from the 20s... Watch this show. You'll watch it and you'll be like, okay, well, I guess I can see where that's funny, but it'll make you want to go watch something. Yep. Or listen to something. Yep. And then you'll hear it and be like, oh my God, that was freaking hilarious. Yep. So on the cast recording, there are two bonus tracks. I Remember Love, which was a duet between Mrs. Tottendale and Underling, and the full message from A Nightingale. Um... Which is the unabridged version of a portion of a song that is cut yeah. short in the show. So we, like I said, we only hear like a minute and a half of it in the show. 
the extra track is the whole thing is the whole number that you would have heard if you were listening to that cast album and then love is all, or i remember love contains a ukulele solo by ukulele lil as mrs tottendale that was the name of her character that played mrs right. tottendale um and it was ended up being replaced in the show by love is always lovely in the end which makes so, me sad i would love a big because, ukulele uh, yeah. solo and i remember love is a good song too mm-hmm. so shortly after the show closed and vinyl records became a thing again yep they released this on vinyl on a which they two should. disc vinyl. Which they should have. Which they had a prop that you could buy for the show. Right. But it wasn't the actual album of the show. But they released the vinyl with a CD of just the songs. Mm-hmm. And it included Toledo Surprise without the skip. Oh. Which was interesting to hear. Yeah. When I had spent so many years used to the skip. Yeah. Um... It is still available on Ghostlight Records. Cool. Um, it's like $38.99. It, it popped up while I was doing all my research and stuff. So if you are interested in owning the Drowsy Chaperone record, and it actually has the stuff on the inside that is like Beatrice, Beatrice Stockwell as the chaperone right. instead of Beth Level as the chaperone. Yeah. So it's the fake characters as yeah. all of that. So there is a planned film adaptation. And in June of 2014, a director was hired for the film adaptation. It's March 2020. Yeah. It's March 2020. Where the hell is my movie? Well, Jeffrey Rush, um, what's his name from Pirates of the Caribbean? Okay. The Squid Face. Yes. Uh, was attached as man of, man of the chair. Ah. He has since been going through a lot of health yes. issues. Yes. So I don't know if that's what's delaying it or what happened. It's been six years. It's been six years. Almost six years. I, d- I don't know what's what's delaying it's it. It's Bye Bye Birdie with J-Lo all it over is. again. It's like the show ended. It went on tour. It did really well in community theaters and regional theaters right after that. It's still doing well. And they were like, oh, we're going to do a film. And then it just died. So guess what we're going to do tonight? Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, <gasps> we're going to Dreamcast? We're going to Dreamcast the oh. movie. Which I have mine in here, and but so I'm we'll gonna, get yours. But you know I'm terrible at this. But that's why I've got pictures of the actors from the Broadway show up here. Okay, to help me. you'll be able to use okay. my suggestions to kind of think okay, of one Okay, 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 okay. Because I'm really bad at thinking on the spot, guys. Yeah. If you haven't caught on to that. So, <laughs> first up is the man in chair. There's Bob Martin. Oh, God, he looks like Bob <laughs> Ross on a diet. Um, and I will say, the second time I saw it, I saw Bob Saget play the part. That. Not as much energy as Bob Martin, guys. No, Bob Martin's awesome, but he looks... Are his shoes too big? No, they're just tennis shoes. They look they're big tennis shoes, like those big mountain climbing tennis oh, shoes. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So here's who I've dreamcasted in this role. <laughs> one, <laughs> one Mr. Leslie Jordan, which you all will know. You will recognize him as Leslie from Will and Grace. Oh, my God, no. No, you know who would be really good in this part? Who? Oh, my God, I can't think of his name now. Sean Hayes? Yes. Jack? Yes. True. Yeah, he would be. He would be amazing in this part. But I just thought because if he talks about his age and stuff, yeah. that Leslie Jordan would fit really, really well. But Sean Hayes would fit really, really well. Yes, too. he would. He I would really like Because he's Sean also Hayes. getting up there in age, but. Shush. I would love to see Sean Hayes. Any other thoughts? John Berriman. 
Ooh. I didn't think about him. John Barrowman. Because he would fit. He fit multiple. I can see he him as Adolfo. Yeah. I can see him as I can see him as multiple yes. characters. Yes. But I would like to I, he needs to do this show multiple times because mm-hmm. I want to see him in each role. Yes. So next up is Janet Vandergraff. Ugh. Miss Sutton Foster there. It's a really bad grainy picture. She looks it almost doesn't look like her. It doesn't look like but her. But I'm like it, you know who it looks like. Who? Uh Isla Fisher? No. Bernadette Peters? Yes. (laughs) It does look like Bernadette Peters. It looks like Bernadette Peters. And I was like, what? So here's my dream cast of Janet Vandergraaf. Okay. (gasps) Interesting choice. Anne Hathaway, which she was in talks to play the role when they were talking about the movie. I agree with this choice. She's got the vocal training. She does. I also thought about Emmy Rossum, but I'm like, she still looks too young. Because Janet's supposed to be a seasoned performer. Yes. No, I like the idea of Anne Hathaway. Yeah. I do. I, I agree with this choice. Or Laura Osnes. This is true. Laura Osnes. Or, I mean, even Laura Benanti. Yeah, or Laura Benanti. Yeah. What did I just say? Laura Benanti. <laughs> Benanti? Banana nanny Banana nanny. Banana nanny nanny. Sorry. Mrs. Oh, that's a terrible photo. <laughs> it's the only one I can find of her in costume. I mean, it sure shows how dumb she is. <laughs> Mrs. Tottendale. I just want to hear what thoughts you might have. I mean, she's too old. Who? Angela Lansbury. She is too old. <laughs> she couldn't do this off shade during No, the she can't. Okay, who, who's yours? Ah, I like it! Julie Waters. I from do like Julie Waters. Mama Mia and Harry Potter. Yes. Um, I originally had Shirley MacLaine. Who? Hmm. Who? I, shoot, I can't think of her name. The other one from Harry Potter, she had like the really long, like big. Trelawney? Yeah, with the big glasses. Um, Emma Thompson. Yeah. She would do well in this role, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't think about it. She would do good as a chaperone, too. Or, um... Gypsy. Imelda Stoughton? Yes. Yep. Yep, yep. Also would be a good chaperone. Yes. Um, so next up is Underling. <laughs> I have two for this okay. one. Okay. Now I, now I know who you're talking now about. You know. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I have two for this one. Okay. Ian McKellen and Derek Jacoby. Either or. Either, okay. not both of them playing the role. Either or. Right. Um, Ian McKellen, just because he's Ian McKellen. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves him. Yeah. But Derek Jacoby is of the shorter stature. He's got the very British, right. yes. proper voice yes. to do it. Yes. Either one of them would work. Who are you thinking? No, not for this part. I get Shoot. Shoot. I can't. I, like, I agree with both of these choices for this role. You're going to lose your shit on this one. Oh, fuck. You're going to lose your shit. This is Robert Martin. This is... This is Graham Norton! Who? Your man in chair. Oh, Graham Norton? Yes! Yes! Okay. Yes. Sorry. You ready? <laughs> no. You ready to lose it? It's Jeremy Jordan in it. Nope. Oh. Really? Zachary Levi. <gasps> wow. Zachary Levi. Because he's supposed For to Robert? be either good-looking... He would like, be a really good Robert. Yes. Yes, yep. I agree. And that's a fabulous photo of him. I know, right? I might need that photo for later. <laughs> it was between that and a shirtless Shazam pick, and I was like, no, this people already oh. worry about me enough. Like, I need this photo for later. <laughs> well, he's in a suit coat and a button-up shirt, guys. But he's not even, like, oh, shirtless. But she's... it's, like, the lighting in the background and the look on his face. And, mm, I need oh, this photo oh, for later. Send it to you. Thank you. <laughs> the Gangsters. <laughs> oh, I think you're going to love who I picked for these guys. Oh, okay. The Property Brothers. <laughs> Jonathan and Drew Scott. <laughs> I can't. 
<laughs> just like made Sally Toledo surprise trying to refurbish the house. <laughs> I thought long and hard about this uh, one. Can they and sing? I don't know. I guess you can They don't speak. really have to. No, yeah, they, they speak, speak sing. Um, but can they dance? I don't know, but th- I thought... Long, like I said, thought long Jonathan and hard. Jonathan probably could. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I thought long and hard about this, and I was like, well, oh, Drew can, God. Drew can dance. He did Dancing with the Stars. Truth. And he did well. That's true, yes. Um, and I, I kept going back and forth. I was like, <coughs> what about the Hemsworth brothers? I even went like They're non- too good looking. Sorry, but they I went, are. I went non-traditional casting, and I was like, well, what about two of the uh, Wayans brothers? Okay. Um... And well, but we've seen I? it also like man, like a man um, and a, a woman. And, yeah, it, you know. Um, but I mean, I even I almost put up there Thor and Loki. <gasps> oh, I almost put um, up Chris. But they're too yeah. good looking. Like they yeah. can't. No, it's like almost. I wish it was like. I mean, Jonathan is too good looking. It's almost. It's true, but I almost wish it was kind of almost like Arnold Schwarzenegger and. Um, Danny DeVito. Yeah. Well, that's that's we said we were going to talk about. <gasps> Oh my god. Which one? Ian? <laughs> Go to bed, Ian. I'll, I'll come up in a minute, okay? What's on your hands? Oh god. What'd you do? Right. Oh my god! So we're back. Um, to prove that we are real people and not just like, oh people my who get god. to sit and podcast oh all the time, um, Abby, let's tell our listeners... What we just walked in on when you were be... screaming, what's on your hands, what's on your hands? Her child is okay. Let's put no, it that yeah. way. He's fine. He's fine. He's still alive. He had something all over his hands, and usually he tells me what it is, but the fact that he ran away from me told me he got into something, and I freaked out because that meant it was on everything. And I was right, because I walked into my kitchen, and he had dumped an entire box of baking soda hand soap, and canola oil all over my chair and my carpet and all over my kitchen floor. Not not just like the normal size of baking soda that you see that you put in your fridge. No, the big one. The big one. The one you use for like cooking. <sighs> that was super fun. Super fun. Yeah, we won't go into the other bits that were so fun about it. <laughs> so let's get back to the drowsy chaperone, and we were talking about the gangsters and our dream cast of my dream cast of Jonathan and Drew Scott. Now, we told our listeners at the beginning we were going to talk about the casting choices that can be made with these characters. Yes, because in their in the script, the characters playing the gangsters are the short brothers. Yes, or is it the tall brother? It's short or tall, either one. But the funny part is, is that whichever one of those you use... They're the opposite. You cast the opposite. So if they're the short brothers, you cast two tall people. If they're the tall brothers, you cast two short people. Yes. Which, when I saw the tour come through Lexington, they were two short people and they were the tall brothers. So it's just added wordplay. Yes. So, amidst all the chaos that we just went through, any other possibilities for the gangsters... Nope, that's, we're just going to move on to Mr. Feltzig. Oh, my. That's Lenny Wolp, Wopple, Wolp, Wopple, Wolp, whatever it is. Wolp, Wolp, Wolpy, um, Wolpy, Wolpy, ha! So before you judge my choice hardcore oh, here. Before you judge my choice, <laughs> hear me out when I show you the picture. Okay. Really? 
Joey Lawrence. Why? He's he can do the accent. Okay. The real thick New York accent. Only if he does the whoa. Whoa. And he's he's got that intimidating personality to him. We know he can sing. He's done Chicago on Broadway. He can dance. He's done Dance with Stars. <laughs> I mean, Feltzik really doesn't have to dance or sing. It's more speak sing, but he sings with the other ensemble pieces. He looks younger, but he's also bald. I just had a thought for the gangsters. Oh, gosh, who? Sean and Gus. <laughs> James Roday and Dulé Hill. Yes! That would be that would be inspired, actually. That would be <laughs> rather inspired. Uh, I, I, was, I was trying to think outside the box on Feltzig, because this is what I would consider a bit part. And he's very specific in who the character is. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, trying to think of older actors and things like that. And I'm not saying if this film ever got made that it would all be, like, A and B list actors. All right, now we're on to Kitty. Kitty! Kitty! And I like Please. I like how in this promotional photo you can see the wig line. Yeah, you can. Real hardcore. 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 It's, like, right at her eyebrows. And you can even off. tell from this picture, like, she's, the bottom part of her face is covered up by the fluff on her robe. But even you can Which tell that really she's. Which is really unfortunate because the fluff on her robe is giving her a mustache. Yeah. But you can tell just from her eyes and her cheekbones. Yeah. She's older. Yes. She's not like what you would think for Kitty in her 20s. So I went super obvious on this one. Go. Wow. Jane Krakowski. Jane Krakowski would make a really good kitty. She would make a really good kitty. She would make a really good kitty next to me. Next to you. (laughs) And I I kept wanting to go younger with the part. And Uh I'm like... Because that's, that's really the whole premise is that Kitty is supposed to be the younger replacement of Janet when she leaves the Follies. Yeah. But the only person that came to mind every time I thought of a Kitty was Jan Krakowski. And it's really from her performance as Alona. I know. She, she did so well with that part. So. Um, what, about, what about the blonde from Glee? Quinn? Is that her name? Or Brittany? Whatever, whichever one's the blonde. There's a couple of blondes. The lesbian blonde. Brittany. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if she can do the voice, but I know I know she can dance. Yeah. I don't know about singing. And she never really... Well, I guess she in sings. the later season she had solos. Yeah, she can sing. But I don't know about the character voice. That's, that's yeah. the thing with this one, is that you've got to have the kitty voice. Very true. Because I was even like, well, Laura Osnes, what about, you know... Somebody like Leah Michelle, not Leah Michelle, because she doesn't look the part at all. Ooh, your air quotes friend from Derby Dinner. She would make a really good kitty. Yeah, she would. She would make a really good kitty. And she's already sort of kind of got the voice. Yeah. So, but yeah, that that was my thought on Kitty, just because we've seen her do a similar character. Okay. Oh, Who do you think I went with on this one? I honestly couldn't even tell you. Really? Hugh Jackman. Why? I don't know. Like, why? Like, Explain yourself. He's done a variety of roles. Yeah. And, you know, I've never heard him really do anything with a accent other than his own or American. Uh Uh-huh. And so I think in my mind, I was like, I wonder if he could. Uh Uh-huh. 
you know, my other thought was Johnny Depp. Yeah. Um, but I was like, well, Hugh Jackman's like the bigger name. Well, I mean, they're kind of, they're kind of even. Johnny Depp's kind of got the little scandal going on right now. Yeah. But aside from that, like they're kind of even. But right now, Hugh Jackman's the bigger name. And okay. I was like, you know, thinking if they're going to cast it and have like two or three A-list stars to draw people in, like who would they put here? And this is who I came up with. Um, I mean, I guess. I almost went with him and Ryan Reynolds for the gangsters. Ryan Reynolds. Just because of their Deadpool Wolverine feud. That would be funny. Ryan Reynolds would be funny in this part, too. He would. I just don't know about his singing, like, if he could sustain this part. Yeah, Hugh Jackman could sing it, for sure. Definitely could sing it. George! Wow. Yeah, he's... The wow. guy who played him is a little bit older. Wow. <laughs> I'll post this slideshow so that you all can look at these pictures and see what she's saying a while, too. Wow. I didn't go older with this part. Good. Does he at least have hair? I think he's growing it back. Of course your man crush has to be in it. <laughs> My man crush has to be in it. Christian Borle. Christian Borle would make a really good choice. I'm not denying that fact. But every Dreamcast has Christian Pearl in it for you. Yes, because he was in, which we'll do. Which I haven't mentioned. Well, I did mention Jeremy Jordan as one of your choices earlier. Yeah. But I haven't mentioned it in my side yet, which no. I find that surprising. I do find that surprising. He could be a really good George, too. He could. Because he could hit the high A. Yes, he can. Um, I did. Seven times, people. I can do it. Even though my director was like, oh, we'll take it down, we'll take it down. Fuck you. She never changed the track that we sang along with. So come opening night, guess who hit that high A? After tap dancing. Me. Me. And held it for all 16 counts. Because I'm awesome. I do like the idea of Christian Morrill in this part. And I... Because when I was doing it, I was going with my cast, and I'm like... Christian Morrill's the funny sidekick type of person. Zachary Levi's very much the leading man. I go, they would play off of each other amazingly. Well, Jeremy Jordan does both. He does do both. He can do both very well. He does. Um, So... Which I almost, I almost also, I thought of Darren Chris and Jeremy Jordan as the gangsters and having them be the tall brothers because they're both short. That's funny. <laughs> Darren Chris would make a good George. He would make a good George. Trix the Aviatrix. What is she holding on to? Her, yeah. I think it's a, a shawl that oh, okay, is the same okay. fabric as her dress. Because <laughs> it looks like she's like, I don't want my pudge to show. I don't want my pudge to show. So that's, that's Keisha. Uh-huh. I went with somebody new. What's wrong with her eye? I don't know. Sorry. I'm being judgy. <laughs> I went with somebody new, kind of up and coming. Okay. Alex Newell, who was on Glee for a little bit. He's on Zoe's Extraordinary pay- Playlist right now. Oh. Um, I don't, I, I say he, I should say they. I'm not sure what Alex Newell identifies as anymore. Right. Um, but... Alex Newell played um, one of the goddesses in Once on this Island. Oh. Mama will provide. Yeah, yeah. yeah that one. Um, on the Tony Awards. Right. So I thought just seeing him on I want, Zoe's what, Extraordinary Playlist. I can't think of her name. From Glee. Oh, Amber Riley? Yeah. I want Amber Riley. Also a good choice. I want Amber Riley. I also thought, I also went big name Jennifer Hudson. Mm. Um, I still like Amber Riley. I even was like, 
you know, which older, like, superstars are still alive. Diana Ross type of thing. Yeah. Gladys Knight. Yeah. Um, who the hell did I see in... Patti LaBelle. Mm-hmm. I thought about those two, but I'm like... I really like... Because I really like what Alex is doing on Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Mm-hmm. Which is a musical show that is on right now. Um, and I think he would have fun with tricks. Yeah. For the moments that tricks is on stage. Yes. So finally we get to the chaperone. Can you guess? Can is it you Mama? Guess? It is Mama. It's Mama Patty? It's Mama Patty. Because... And looking at this picture with the martini glass, I almost put her picture from the company revival oh, that's yeah, playing yeah. right now, where she's holding a martini glass. Yeah. But ever since I heard this cast album and saw the show, I'm like, why is Patty and Lapone not playing this part? Yeah. She would be amazing. She would be amazing as as the chaperone yes. for sure. Because it is like an older part to play. It is. It is. And she, I mean, she usually wears her hair in, in the 20s bob looking. Yeah. And, and it so suits she, her very well. It does. Especially with her. Yeah. Yeah. But I did, I did have some other options for the chaperone. Of course she did. Because I was, I was like, Patty LuPone's going to be obvious. She's going to know that I'm going there. Yeah, of course. So I've got like 11 or 12. Oh, Jesus. So we'll just go through them all. And your thoughts. Okay. As we go through all it. right. And maybe it'll inspire you with some people. Okay. Jane Lynch. I like that idea. It'd be kind of awkward, though, with Adolfo. Yeah. Beth Level. Well, yeah, Just bring her back. Bring her bring back. Bring her back, yeah. Meryl Streep. <gasps> oh. Because <laughs> Meryl stole Beth's part in the prom that's going to be on Netflix in September, guys. Yeah. Bette Midler. I don't know if she... Uh, I don't know. I don't know? You I don't, don't know. know? I mean, yes, I can see her playing that part. Yeah. But I'm going to be honest. After her... Tony Award speech that one year. While I'm drinking, thank you. Sorry, <laughs> bad timing. I just, I don't know if she would do it. Yeah, I don't know if she would either. But everyone she came else to I mind. Seen. This one is probably would never ever happen unless they started filming tomorrow. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Liza, I, Liza Minnelli. I don't know about Liza Minnelli. Her mannerisms. And I'm not saying anything against her because I love Liza Minnelli. I know you Happy do. birthday yesterday or today. I don't remember. Fuck. I'm a terrible Liza fan. You her birthday was either yesterday or today. Um, her mannerisms already speak to the intoxication of the chaperone. Yeah. So I think her adding that. And I really would just love to hear her sing as we stumble along. Okay. I still don't know about Liza Minnelli. <laughs> Kathy and Jimmy. Yes, absolutely. Kathy and Jimmy. I absolutely. Had, I had Bette Midler, and I was like, oh, my God, Sarah Sanderson would be perfect for this role, too. Especially after, like, her performance in Sister Act, yes. too. I was like, oh, my God, she would be so funny in this role. Yes. Uh, Christine Baranski. Mm. Think Tanya and Mamma Mia. Yeah. No, I am. I'm thinking about that, and I just... Like, I too, too spot on? Like no, too, I think too uptight. Oh, that's true. That's true. I, I think, she, I mean, I'm not saying anything against her. She's a fabulous actress. Yeah. She does wonderful. But she tends to play the same types of parts. She does. She and, does. And, and I don't know, I think she, it would be almost, the chaperone can't be that uptight. Yeah. You gotta let your butthole go a little. Yeah. Renee Zellweger. 
Especially after her performance in Judy, which you haven't seen yet. Right. I have not seen that. You're going based off that. I'm going based off what I've seen of hers, and I don't see it very well. If you saw Judy, you would probably change your mind. You probably wouldn't be, like, top of the list for her. And she's not top of the list for me. But she's in there as a contender just because... She does have a wide, wide range. Okay. She has done so, so much. Right. And I think between what she did in Judy and the types of characters she's played in the past. I know. You had it. I had. I liked your first three. The last four I'm not so sure about. <laughs> We're, we've got a couple more. I know. Emily Blunt. I know Ooh, she's younger. She is younger, but you, I, I think that would be very interesting to see her play that part. Yeah. Especially if her husband played George. Ooh, John Krakowski, whatever his name, last name is. Yeah. John Krakowski. If he played whatever George. Whatever Sorry. I can see him playing George. Yeah. I don't know if he can sing. I'm not an um, Office fan, so I don't know if he's ever done I don't anything. Think they, I don't know. Um, but yeah, we'll I kind of... direct it. It'll be fine. This is true. There you go. This is true. John, get on this. Um, but yeah, I kind of was like, I needed one that was different from the rest. Right. Because all the rest of them so far have been older. Right. So I'm like, who's somebody like in their 30s who could pull off this role? And between, because the most recent things of hers I've seen are A Quiet Place and um, Mary Poppins Returns. And so I'm like, between those two characters, like I could see her developing the drowsy chaperone in a different way. Right. Which is never a bad thing. Yeah. (gasps) Alice and Janney. My lord. Alice and Janney. Yes. I do like this choice. Um, this one was inspired by Juno, her character in Juno. Or moms. Or moms, yes. Um, but mostly Juno. And then kind of like listening to her in 9 to 5. Yes. I'm like, her voice could suit this really, really well. Mm-hmm. Or it could just completely fall flat. Yeah. But I think between her acting and her singing, she would pull it off so, so well. Mm-hmm. And I think one more. Yes. Uh, so I put Ju- Julie Waters. Twice. Twice. I think Julie Waters would make a better chaperone than Miss Tondale. I don't know, because between Mrs. Weasley and Rosie mm-hmm. and Mamma Mia, I kind of see a Mrs. Tottendale in there. Yeah, but I see her more as a chaperone. Well, like I said, my other but Mrs. Tottendale. I think Tottendale, it's just her personality that I've seen in the interviews and yeah. things. Like, I see that as very much a chaperone. Yeah. So, I mean, and like I said, my other Tottendale choice before I chose Julie Waters to put on here was Shirley MacLaine. Yes. Which I know she's older, and it would, again, have to be one of those situations where they did it now, so she could still do it. Um, but I kind of was like, I was like, oh, but Julie Waters, she's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I think she could bring a lot to the character that we haven't seen yeah. in Harry Potter or Mamma Mia. Yeah. And I know she's done tons of other things. Don't oh, get me absolutely, wrong. absolutely, yeah. I know. I loved her in Calendar Girls. You know, what else? What? There's, there was another one right there. And then it just, gone. It happens to you a lot on this podcast. I know. God. Uh, anyways. So, that's all I've got for my dream casting. Okay. So, did you have any other ideas come up for the chaperone? While you were looking at those? Um, I mean, none that really spring to mind. I think you hit a wide range. Like I said, there's about eh, four of them that I don't really agree with. Um, I went back and forth between adding who I'm about to say. Not because of it being non-traditional casting, not because of anything like that. I just didn't know. I couldn't 
100% picture it in my head. Uh-huh. Whoopi Goldberg. Mm. I don't... I don't know about Whoopi Goldberg in that part. And that's where that's where I was. And that's Maybe why younger I didn't Whoopi. Her. Maybe younger Whoopi. <clears throat> Maybe. But see, I was kind of like picturing like between Ghost Whoopi and like View Whoopi. <laughs> Really? Because I'm thinking, like, Sister Act will be. Well, I mean, like, that that falls in between those. Yeah. Like, like a mashup of all of those. I'm like, there is potential there, but it's not, like, 100% in my mind. No, I think (laughs) from the list you've given, she was the best. Kathy and Jimmy? Yeah, I like her a lot. Nope, Kathy and Jimmy. Yeah, I like her a lot. I mean, I still, Patti LuPone is still my number one choice for that role. Who was it from Bridesmaids? The main... Oh, uh, Melissa McCarthy? Well, her, but the skinny main... Kristen Wiig? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about her. If you go, if you're thinking, like, a younger person to play, like Emily Blunt, I don't know about the singing... And all that, but just like her mannerism, yeah. how she kind of portrays people, her characters. Yeah, I see that very much as a chaperone. Yeah, it could work. It, I would have to like really sit down and think about it and like see I'm more thinking of like, what she's done. I'm thinking of like bridesmaids. Yeah, like if you think of her character in bridesmaids. Yeah, help me, I'm poor. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah, I think like she, the whole scene where yeah. she's doped up on the airplane. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I'll give you that. I'll give you. I'll give you. A, okay. Um. I had somebody else in mind, and now I just because I just blew your mind. You did. Oh, for um, Tottendale. And this would make her a little bit younger. Okay. Kate McKinnon. Um, SNL, the new Ghostbusters. Okay. Blonde. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. A little bit younger. But she's a great physical actress. Oh, yeah. Very, very funny. Yes. Can do voices. Yes. So I don't think her pulling out a Tottendale-type voice would... If you go younger, what about Ms. Melissa McCarthy as Tottendale? Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Like, okay, let's see what she does with Ursula first. Okay, fair. And then put her in another fair. musical. But if you picture Tottendale a little younger, which you'd have to cast some other things a little younger, too... Maybe not. It might be well, it gross. depends on the wig for Tottendale. True. But if you do Melissa McCarthy as Tottendale, I mean, you could even bring in, like, puppies. Like, she has puppies in each arm. Yeah. Or something. You could. Yeah. Or ferret around her neck. Who knows? <laughs> All right. So, these are questions for both of us right now, and then also for our listeners. We want comments on Facebook, Instagram. You can put them in the comments on Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to do, shoot us an email, backyardbroadway.podcast at gmail.com. It's a bear to type in, but just do it. So what do you think about the film adaptation? Should it be cinematic or should it go to Netflix? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know if it would do well cinematic. Because it's, I mean, it's known, but it's not like yeah. super well known. I think yeah. it would do better as But I, th- like, I think with a cast like what I put forth, well, if it's like it a, would do well cinematically. I think it would do better either as, like, a live performance, like Fox. Which I've got, or, yeah, yeah, the live TV um, musical. A live TV musical or Netflix or, like, a Fathoms event. This is true. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, I, I think... I don't think, like, putting it in cinematic theaters is going to do great. No. Um, 
I think it'll do better better with the other three options. Which I kind of think is what happened. I think they got to it and they were like, because of the whole aspect of changing his apartment into the set, set for the play, for the musical, you lose that in a film. Yeah. But doing it as like a live TV musical, or even if they recorded it as a live TV musical and did it as a Fathom event and then showed it like on NBC or something later. Yeah. Um, I think it would do better because you would see all of that and it would be one soundstage. Because I'm trying to picture it as like a cinematic kind of thing and I feel like it's going to lose something going from man and chair to this, uh, you know, yeah. to the show and back and forth. I feel like it it won't make sense. Like I feel like what they would try to... You need to, to see those changes. Yeah, I think what they would end up trying to do at that point... And would, everyone's really terrified that it would be end, up, end up being another cat. Yeah. Would, would they would try to change it to where... It's his favorite 19, like, original talkies musical. Yeah. And so that he would be transported into the world of the film. Right. And we would get, like, that grainy 20s picture and things like that. But again, I feel like it would lose something It would lose something. That. Yes. Because you don't... With a live TV musical with a, like, filmed live on Broadway type of situation, you get to see the set transformed. You get to see, like, it's all seamless. And a lot of that... And they would have to change some of the scripting. Because it's yeah. directed toward theater, yeah. not movies. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, I think doing it as a live TV musical is the better choice because you can still have that opening monologue mm-hmm. where it's all it about theater. I think start with that, like at the Fathoms event or a live TV musical and then transfer to Netflix. Yeah. Or just straight onto DVD so I can have it. Still I, waiting for rent, Fox. Still waiting for rent. Newsies. Where's my newsies? <laughs> On Disney Plus. Fuck off. <laughs> I didn't actually go watch it. But. So, so what What about a Broadway revival? We're coming up on the 15-year anniversary next year. I would love a Broadway revival. Um, do you think any of it would have to change to speak to today's audiences? Or would it still speak well as it did, as well as it did in 2006? I think as it is, it would be fine. Except for Message from a Nightingale. I don't think that will be received well. It will not be received well. And I think some nitpicky asshole will have uh, something to say about the gay line at the beginning. But he explains... But he explains it. That's what I'm saying. A nitpicky asshole. A nitpicky asshole. Because he does... Not normal people. Like, they made sure to make it so that it was not offensive. It's the line I said at the beginning of the podcast. Tricks the aviatrix, what we call today a lesbian is the line, but then he goes through and he explains why, what that difference is. Yeah, and the gay line. Yeah. Those lines, you know. And there's the whole, like, undertone of him being gay, but he was married. and. But I think that'll be fine for yeah. today, honestly. Yeah. I don't think that'll be an issue. I think, I so I don't think, because the way it's written, it's not meant to, like, actually, you know what? I do think it will be appropriate, as is for today. Even with Message from Nightingale? No, mine is that. Okay. Um, because... It's expressing this guy's love of theater and what it did for him and how it inspired him. And I think that's very important for today because there's a lot of funding issues for the arts and things like that. And people are losing that interest in the performing arts as far as theater goes. I'm not talking about concerts. I'm talking about (laughs) theater. Um, And so I think that that message of what theater did for him and how it probably helped him and inspired him, I think that would, is, that would be very, very relevant to today. So that being said, 
let's talk about how this is my real life. It is your real life. Oh my god! On so many <laughs> levels, this is you. So when like I, you are man in chair, when they I, should rename it Andrew McGill. <laughs> when I first bought the cast album, you do this all the time. I had no clue what the show was about. I just knew it starred Sutton Foster. I love Sutton Foster. Um, I wasn't familiar with anybody else in the show at this point, and. I just, I wanted to hear Sutton Foster's new show. Yeah. And listened to it, and I'm like, okay, like, great. Then I saw it. Mm-hmm. And I left there in tears, not because of a magical experience, but because I was like, oh, my God, this is my life. It is his life. Man in Chair is sitting there showing you, telling you guys about the show, and then imagining when he saw the performance. Andrew does this without even thinking. Without even thinking. Like, he's just sitting there, and he's planning shows in his head. So. Or reliving shows that he has seen. So, a a little more background about me that we haven't really touched on. I was never a popular kid. I was never. I was never the type of kid that went to parties and things like that. What? Summer after junior year, or summer after sophomore year is, is, is an exception. But I was, I've always been a loner. I'm the middle of five kids, and my siblings, I don't think, care for me. <laughs> it's just the way it is. Yeah. Like, I mean, to put it in perspective for you, at my grandfather's funeral in 2010, my oldest brother and my sister, who's two years younger than me, they had each other to support. And then my brother, who's 11 months older than me, and my youngest sister, they had each other. And I was by myself. Like, none of the four of them made sure that I was okay. They were just checking on each other. Anyways, so... Sorry, that took a dark moment. Yeah. So for as long as I've been able to afford it, I buy cast albums, I go see shows, I take secret trips to New York (laughs) that we've talked about, um, and I see movie musicals, I see the Fathom events, all of that, because it's my escape. And the man in chair talks about that during the opening monologue about how it's an escape for people. And it always has been, especially when I get super depressed. When my depression hits its all-time low... I can put on a cast album. I can go see a show. I can watch a movie musical. I can come talk to Abby. (laughs) (laughs) Or not talk to Abby, as it would happen so many times. Or we podcast. And it's my escape. I get out of my head for two, two and a half hours. And when I come out of it, I'm more so thinking about the show and the the message of the show. Yep. And what it means to me than why I'm in one of my depressive funks. But see, that's why we're such good friends. is because we're basically the same people. Yes. I'm just a female with a vagina, and you are not. <laughs> this is true. This is true. But, I mean, because it was the same way for me. I didn't have a lot of friends growing up. I was never really accepted yeah. in school. I was very much a loner. I mean, I had friends, um, but these were the friends I had. When I was a freshman in high school, I kid you not, my quote-unquote group of friends held an intervention for me because they were worried about how I was going to handle life in college. Because yeah. I was apparently too clingy to them. Oh, See, and I've, I've never had a close, close group, like, group of I don't of talk friends. to any of them anymore. Like, that's, they're not really, yeah. I don't consider them my friends anymore. Because there's one person from middle school that I still talk to. Yeah. But that's it. Like, and then there's you. I have my travel group, Cindy, Kathy, Ron, John. I love you all. But they're not the people I go to to talk about life. No, that's me. That's you. I met you six years ago. Yes. Um, our friendship is like celebrating its six year anniversary this month. Yeah, because that's when I went down and was like, "Do you want to be a show?" Okay, <laughs> let's go. Bye. Um, but anyways, 
I've known you for a little bit longer than that, just through my sister and, yeah, and yeah, things. Yeah. But, um, you know, and then, you know, I met Abby and it was like, Abby all the time because she understood me. She, you know. I understood why, where your passion for theater came yeah. from. Because and it was the same for me. It was an escape. I love the idea of going on a stage and playing a part and forgetting all my issues and my troubles and yeah. my stress and anxiety. And I can really just become a different person and have fun with it. Yes. It's a great way to get out of your head. And when I would talk about shows and, you know, not like a normal person talking about a show that they've seen or they've listened to where it's like, <laughs> I really like this song because, because, because it's more when I talk about a show, it's like, I really like what they did with this, but this they should have done better. Or when I listen to this cast album, this is what I saw. This is what they yeah. should and I love it. And it it's <laughs> I literally spent the majority of my high school through what six years ago we met. So that was when I was twenty eight. Yeah. Probably until I was about twenty five. Yeah, I was so twenty a good like ten I was to twelve years. Twenty three when I met you. So yeah, I spent a good ten to twelve years as a loner, like. I would go up to my room and I would put on a cast album. And then when records became a thing, I actually went to the secondhand stores and bought a whole shit ton of records. We won't talk about what I don't happened know to them. I, I don't know if I've ever told you this. Do you know what I used to do in my bedroom? No. I used to put my CDs, my cast album CDs, in my music player. And I would turn it up and I would play it. And I would act out the song how I think it should be performed in my mirror. Right. I'm not kidding. Right? And it used to drive my mom nuts because there was a vent right there that led. My bird was in the basement so she could hear me blaring. Gonna, and, and that's, I would sit there and, you know, before the internet was, you know, easily accessible, you know, back when dial-up was a thing. <laughs> um, you know, when, when you weren't on the internet all the time. Right. All I had were the pictures in the sleeves of those cast albums. And what you saw. And what I could see in those. And then I would sit and listen to it and I would see those pictures, and then the scene would develop around that picture, and I would see, I would watch the show unfold in front of me, mm-hmm. and then here comes 2006, I think it was, yeah, right around the end of 2006 that I saw it for the first time, and I was like, holy shit, this is what happens to me. Yeah, it is. And even now, we've got a record player upstairs, Yeah. and when I'm cleaning up there, I always put on a record. And the last time it was fucking train. Like when I'm cleaning up there, I'll put on a record. And most recently it was um, Anastasia. Of course. And I got through two songs before I sat down, closed my eyes and just let the show unfold in front of me. And then of course Kat gets Speaking home of, and did she's you see like. see that clip of Still that was on Facebook? Yes. Oh my God. I'm so mad it wasn't the entire song. <sighs> but, please, please don't close before the 18th. Please, yes. please, please. Play open in Kentucky. Like that's with everything going on. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, and then Kat gets home after I've done something like that. She's like, I thought you were cleaning up here. Yeah, I started to listen to Anastasia and, you know, even getting up and having to change the record and flip it over and then put on the new record and flip mm-hmm. it over, like, did not take me away from it. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times with the records, act one will be one disc, act two will be a second one. Mm-hmm. I'll take like a 10 minute intermission, mm-hmm. but I'm the same way as the man in chair. I hate an intermission. It disrupts the flow. Yeah. Um, but like... That way I can kind of regain myself yeah. instead of being, I don't want to say trapped because I don't feel trapped. It's consumed. One of the best feelings in the world. You're consumed to, I'm consumed, by yeah. So. I just decided you and I need to do a podcast about like our relationship. 
like how like we got started and how this friendship developed and like all of that. Yes. I, I think that up so that I think that would be a really good idea. That would be a really good idea. Like our background story. Well, we've decided on our one year anniversary episode. We are going to tell the full story of how yeah. Backyard Broadway really came to be. And we'll talk about our friendship in there a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot to talk about. There is a lot to talk about. Like, one of my favorite moments, and I'll probably say, reiterate this on the one year. One of my favorite moments where we realized that we were going to be, like, besties for life. I know it's been an hour and a half. Uh, was we were There's, in- like, five minutes that we're cutting out of this, so it's fine. We were in your car, and I think we were driving to Horners and Jeff. Yeah. And you had the wedding singer playing. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. Because it, growing old once you started playing, and I started singing the girl part, and you looked at me like, you know this? You know this? Because not a lot of people knew the wedding singer. No! And I was like, I love this show. And that's that moment. Well, that's been like, decided we're going to do the wedding singer as one of these episodes. <laughs> we did before, yes. but we never got to. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that... That we've only done one other like show specific episode, and that was the bandstand one that we used and from way back when we newsies. saw it. Did we? Oh yeah, we did post the newsies. Yeah, because remember, because we, we were gonna go. Because we were gonna, we went to see it and then never posted a review yeah. of it. That's right. So newsies and bandstand. Now you have the drowsy chaperone. You're welcome. You're gonna have Beetlejuice is coming up. The wedding singer now is coming up, and then at some point we need to phantom. We do need, to, but we need to rewatch. Them I know all. we do. Um, and then we're going to sit down and decide on a couple of stars that we can like really focus on and talk about their careers and everything. Cause there are some with controversy, Patty LaPone. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not just the cell phone shit guys, yeah. not just the cell phone stuff. So with all that being said, after an hour and a half, I'm Andrew. I'm Abby. We'll see you next time. This is why Kat needs to be here. Bye.